Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Our guest today is Seth Matlins, a true visionary and jack of all trades in the world of marketing. From global brands to ingenious solutions, Seth's done it all, and he's not slowing down. Currently, Seth is the managing director of the Forbes CMO Network, where he shapes the strategy for one of the most influential communities of marketers worldwide. His mission? to navigate the evolving landscape of marketing, even when the ground feels like it's shifting beneath our feet. Ever heard of someone championing initiatives that make you raise your eyebrows? Yep, that's Seth for you. He's the force behind transformative initiatives like CVS's Beauty Mart platform, the federal legislation of truth in advertising, and groundbreaking partnerships like Coke's presence in American Idol. Join us as Seth shares insights from his vast experience working at the intersection of creativity and strategy. As he says, the relationship between creators and marketers is a dynamic dance, blending imperfections with strengths to create something both familiar and new. Tune in what is guaranteed to be an extraordinary conversation with Seth Matlins as we venture deep into the heart of marketing's evolving journey. I'm very proud of what you're doing. Smile for 15 seconds out of day and make the world a better place. Welcome to Everything is Better with Creators, brought to you by Whaler. Join us as we dive into the latest trends, news, and strategies shaping the creator economy and learn how it's driving innovation and change. Each episode, we speak with the experts, creators, and business executives who are driving the future of marketing and commerce. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get smart fast. Welcome to the podcast, Seth Madelins. I'm so excited to see you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Could you tell us who you are and your title and what you're doing these days? I am Seth Matlins. Uh, professionally speaking, I am currently the managing director of the Forbes CMO Network. I am a career marketer. Uh, I've been with Forbes about 18 months, um, but have spent my career client-side, agency-side, uh, building brands and businesses. When we talk about you behind your back, we do say in kind words that you're the CMO consigliere these days because you're a practitioner and you have the ear and talk with marketers all the time. You, you're, you know, at Forbes, you guys are covering marketing, obviously other business, but you're covering marketing, you're giving awards, you're really paying attention. And it seems to be a bit of a blood sport out there in marketing. It's kind of ugly and frightening out there. Is it fear-based? Do you think that's the, the limitation? What, what are you seeing when, you know, in your conversations with 
the world of senior marketers? Well, there's definitely a lot of fear and it's not just in marketing, but I'll, I'll circle back to that. You know, I, you use the word conciliary. Um, others say CMO whisper. I reject it. Uh, I think that's a silly phrase. I reject it. And I think more to, to reality is I'm a CMO listener, um, which is I get to listen to um, their concerns, their wants, their needs, their hopes and fears. Um, and as a practitioner, which is, you know, all credit to, to Forbes for hiring a practitioner to run this part of the business, I can understand things differently than somebody who perhaps has just been writing about them as a journalist. But yeah, fear, fear runs rampant um, with good reason. It's terrifying out there. Uh, I, was, I was scrolling earlier this morning. I saw some headline like U.S. health authorities, you know, concerned about a fungus that is spreading across America. I'm like, you know, it's, it, we live in a perpetual state of what next and what now. We lose sight of that emotional context uh, in our day-to-day -day lives, in the lives of the people we work with. And very importantly, and I talk about this a lot, in the lives of the people, people we market and sell to. And I use marketing and selling interchangeably because a marketer's job is to sell. And yet fear is a, is a great um, limitation. The reason the status quo persists in so many places where it is no longer useful, no longer productive, and that's not everywhere, by the way, or, you know, status quo isn't bad inherently, but there are so many places, sectors, industries, moments where it is unproductive is because we're still very primitive. The architecture of our brains isn't that changed over thousands and thousands of years, and we're still primed to survive first, survival of the fittest. And if it is familiar, if it is the status quo, it did not kill me, literally, right? Like, you know, oh, that dog didn't kill me. That lion killed Johnny. I'm going to stay away from the lion. And I think that's why the status quo persists, because we're like, if it didn't kill me, it's safe. I'm going to keep doing it, because that's just how we're primed, right? That's how we're built. Um, but I would argue, and I know you know this, Relentless adherence to a status quo uh, is, is, in fact, killing a lot of brands and businesses and marketing campaigns and healthcare and on and on. So that's a lot to unpack. And I think I want to put it into perspective because for people listening to this, we have a lot of creators, we have marketers, we have uh, brands that are leaning in to learn, we have a variety of people that are trying to learn what's going on in the creator economy. And one of the things that's that's kind of interesting in this primitive brain concept is when people are trying to sell to marketers, right? And if a creator is trying to do business with a marketer or a, a partner is trying to do business with a brand, it requires a little bit of empathy. And I'd love for you to help unpack that a little bit more because you you know you said the lion and the dog, right? Who's the lion in this dynamic, and what? can people do when you want to bring a new creative idea? And, and I, I come from that because we'll get into creativity and creators, but the creator economy is a relatively new-ish approach and it requires people who are selling to brands directly for the first time, not always with the agency. So help us understand what is going on with people who are actually trying to do things that are not status quo. Who's the lion and how do you help people I guess become a lion tamer. Is that is that the theme here? Listening and lion taming. 
I think that we need to pick a four instance because I think the lion and the dog do change, right? So if if we use the four instance that you brought up, which is you know the creator selling to a a chief marketer, let's say, um, I think, and, and you know, recognizing we're about to paint all CMOs and all creators with the same brush for purposes of illustration, um, I think the CMO views. Um, a dollar spent, and this is actually something that you talked to me about the very first time we talked when I got to Forbes. So, you know, credit where credit is due. The lion for the CMO is um, the fear of what happens with her CEO or CFO uh, and to her job um, if she spends a dollar and doesn't get a dollar ten back, as if there's any certainty around that, as if there's ever been any certainty around that. You know, it goes back to, you know, Change has implicit risk, right? So doing the same thing, even if we're not certain it's going to work, is safer than doing something different oftentimes that we're not certain is going to work. That's the empathy you spoke about. I, I point often to this 1970, I think it was 1974 ad that IBM ran. I think it's just a beautiful example, even in a time long gone by, of empathetic marketing, which is somebody's about to make a big dis purchase decision buying IBM at the time, I'm assuming was a big expense, as, as I'm sure it is today. And they just didn't want to get fired. Who does want to get fired? Pretty much nobody. We don't put ourselves in the mind of the buyer um, often enough, literally in the mind and maybe the heart of the buyer often enough. Too many marketers, too many sellers. And while marketing is always selling, selling is not always marketing know what it is they're trying to sell, but not what it is we want to buy, right? Uh, um, I think, I, I can't, forgive me, I can't remember if it's Clayton Christensen or Michael Porter, but one of the brilliant Harvard thinkers um, talks about the job to be done. Nobody buys a hammer to bang a nail. The job to be done is to hang a picture, to build shelves, to build a house, right? So we need to differentiate between what it does and what I'm buying it to do. Um, and too few do. And I think empathy is key to what we do because what we do is the business and practice of influencing attitudes and behaviors. And how do you do that if you're not empathetic? Well, that's part of what I think is so interesting. And when we talk to creators, many of them, again, we're painting everybody with the same brush. Many of them are younger or they're younger in their experience. They could be chronologically older. Uh, but they're younger and they're experienced dealing with directly with marketers. And at this point in the creator economy, it's still relatively new how one works with the creator. And many of the conversations we have with creators focus around brands need to give me creative freedom. Brands need to let me be my creative best self. And that is 100% true. But do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Is what I often say to creators. And you got to figure out how to sell or give the marketer that you're working with the comfort level to let you go be creative. And, and that, I think, you, you un, unpack really, really beautifully. Well, can I, can, I just, can I interrupt for two seconds and just say, it's understandable that as a creator, as an artist, as talent, you know, A, I want to do what I do, and B, I want you to trust that I do what I do really well. Um, otherwise, why are we talking? But similarly, the creator needs to understand that the marketer is not a benefactor. 
right? Um, who is let me go fund your whims and ways. But let us come together to do what you do so that it serves what I need to do, the job to be done. The reported, off, much reported give and take between Greta Gerwig and Mattel is a beautiful example, um, at least it seems superficially, of this, where, you know, Mattel went beyond its comfort in certain situations for the Barbie movie to defer to Greta, Greta's creative judgment. And Greta off sometimes had to defer her creative instincts to make sure it was working for Mattel. And whether that's a creator-client relationship or an agency-client relationship or two colleagues um, fighting it out for a good idea or, or in the development of a good idea, that trust is uh, uh, that trust and alignment around objective is, is essential. I want to dig into what something you just said. Fighting for the a good idea, I think, is is an art that's lost or is scary because you go back to the fear idea. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but there is a beautiful orchestration symphony when you can have two entities and it could be multiple people in that. And it's okay to have a difference of opinion about a creative process. And the idea is generally going to be better. The output will be better if you have that give and take and that's that creative struggle. And I think that might be getting a little bit lost because of this. We're in our lizard brains right now out of fear. I mean, look, uh, great art, great ideas are typically born out of a certain tension. Right. Um, I, I remember saying when I was head of strategy at Inside Endeavors Cultural Marketing Agency, saying to our chief creative officer, we're agreeing too much. It's making me uncomfortable, right? Because if we're agreeing, the idea is staying the way it is. It's not being given the chance to get any better. I, I was a failed entrepreneur. I remember when I you know, was, was kind of bringing the idea to people. I love it. I love it. It's great. I was like, that doesn't make it any better, right? Telling me you love it doesn't make the idea any better. While I may not agree with the disagreement, it at least forces me to consider. And yes, disagreement is you know, productive disagreement. Um, where the idea is what we're disagreeing about rather than disagreeing with each other. The expression of the idea, um, I think, is, is essential. And you've had a, quite a career. I'm going to call out a few things where I would say you've, you disagreed with things. And I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you prevailed. So not only have you worked inside you know, Hollywood's two biggest companies, you worked for CAA and Endeavor. That's, there's a lot of disagreeing going on within them between them. Uh, but one of the things that I love that you did is you created CBS's Beauty Mark program. And that really changed, I, I would say you really, that changed the face of beauty. And on top of that, you helped author the Truth and Advertising Act and the federal legislation about. So th there's a lot of disagreeing in those examples. And I let's talk about how that happened and how you were able to do that, where that came from. Well, the Truth and Advertising Act, which I'll explain in a second, preceded and became the CBS Beauty Mark. But by the way, you know, um, Norman DeGrev was CMO at, at CBS when he bought the idea and executed it, just became the, the CMO at, at General Motors uh, last week. You know, he was not beholden to the status quo. To the contrary, he was vested in changing the status quo four generations of women, girls, and an increasing number of boys and men. So let me take a step backwards. 
So what the Truth in Advertising Act um, sought to do was compelled, and it was introduced in Congress with bipartisan support in 2014, reintroduced in 2016, was to compel the FTC, who oversees false and deceptive advertising, to convene the ad industries, the marketing industries, um, uh, influencers, to talk about what we can do. And we basically proposed a labeling thing, which is tell people what's real so that they don't think the unreal is real and therefore seek to become like that. I had no illusions that we were ever going to turn a bill into a law, but I thought that if we could focus the industry, um, they would self-regulate. And as it turns out, when I went to Endeavor, we found an opportunity and we found a client um, who was willing to do exactly that. And in 2017, I think it was maybe 18, 18, um, CVS uh, and what became the CVS Beauty Mark program announced two, two things. The first was the least important part, which is that they would no longer Photoshop their beauty creative, their point of sale, their advertising. Now, the reason that's the least important part is CVS does relatively little in the scheme of the biggest beauty brands in the world and globally. The more important part is they said to the biggest beauty brands in the world and some of the smallest, if you want us to provide us with point of sale, if you're going to be on the shelves in our stores, our guests need to know what's real and what's not. So you can send us point of sale materials that Photoshop people. We're just going to say that it was altered. But if you send us materials that aren't Photoshop, the human form, um, we will say it's beauty unaltered. That became the beauty mark. So if you go into pretty much every C any CVS in the world or in the United States, rather, um, and walk through their beauty aisle, you'll find this beauty mark on almost everything. Um, and um, they have literally helped to change the face of beauty. And Procter has subsequently made commitments. Unilever has subsequently made commitments. And, you know, to the credit of the industry, um, all of the major beauty brands, uh, almost without exception, at least to my knowledge, sent them, even with the celebrity-driven work, um, celebrity-starring work, you know, materials that were not photoshopped. So credit, credit to those brands and credit to that talent who let themselves be represented um, unaltered. Hey, hang tight. We're not going anywhere. Our Everything is Better with Creators podcast will be right back after a word from our sponsors. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. That's the get ready with me. That's the, that's the sort of the du jour. That is what is working right now. 
not only in beauty, although they've been like the OG in the space of creators and really showing that and moving from that polished perfection of the, the TV ad to getting real and disagreeing, again, that theme with what was expected. You know, some of the earliest creators who were the YouTubers and what the YouTubers showed the world was that popularity wasn't going to be despite your flaws, but oftentimes uh, uh, because of them, because of your imperfections, because you put your humanity, your vulnerability, um, your struggles on display. Um, that was why um, we were relating to those personalities and, and um, change. We got more change. But that creative approach now that we're seeing work, whether it's Grimace and you've got campaigns where creators are showing themselves, you know, as they really are, that's working. But it's still really hard to get someone who's a budget holder, who we have empathy for, um, to, to shift how they're making their decisions. And, and I, find it, I find it so fascinating. And I, I think there's still this haves and have nots and you come from the Hollywood world and there is now the there's a, a distinction of creator video versus Hollywood video and the IAB just did a study and they talked to 400 marketers and they asked if they now view creator video as being premium and 64% of them said yes and they also asked them if they were going to now uh this was before the strike start putting more money into creator video moving away from Hollywood video. And they said, yes. So 65% said, yes, they're open to it. And they will start to um, consider that, which I think is great. And, and it's a direction, but it is still really interesting how the status quo kind of going back to the beginning kind of keeps people stuck in, and what was working um, and, and about how, how people are, are approaching things. But we we're in this, um, this idea of creativity and the evolution of creativity, you're a keen observer of what this space means. And it's, it evolves, <clears throat> it's bravery. Do you, I mean, that's kind of a trite question, but how do you, how do you know if something is actually creative? Is there a, do you have a Seth Matlin's test? Do you, do you look at something if, if you agree with it, like it? It's like that famous thing of the, the Supreme Court said, I can't define what porn is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, I do. But it starts with a visceral reaction. It starts with an emotional reaction. Then I have to force myself to bring a framework to it. Right. Um, I think I respond immediately, uh, mostly because I'm human. Right. Um, and then I try and diagnose why I've responded as I did. You know, if I'm evaluating a creative idea, I will uh, go into the, the conversation about it with a, with a framework, right? Which is what am I looking for, right? Um, which doesn't make the idea necessarily creative, but it makes it on brief. It, it makes it on, on task. Um, and then, you know, the creativity is in the execution. I believe very much that, especially in a marketing context, creativity is in service of not the idea, but the idea is in service of solving a problem and building a brand and business, driving growth. Creativity for creativity's sake, uh, which I happen to think, you know, the Super Bowl, to pick an obvious example, is rife with, um, is just like burning money um, for the sake of, of saying you were on the Super Bowl. And I think, I think it's evidence that so much of advertising, if not marketing, has, has oftentimes lost the thread. Um, 
but but you know a creative idea should feel both uh, uh, familiar and new all at the same time. So let's let's lean into this because you work with an a, a institution that is in a bit of a process of evolving and looking at how you're becoming staying future relevant, and you embarked on quite an interesting effort around a topic that has a lot of controversy around capitalism. I'm going to just leave that as the prompt and let you explain the idea because it's been a really fascinating, brave initiative that you've undertaken at Forbes. Well, I think the bravery wasn't ours. It was um, it was those who participated and, you know, full disclosure for our audience, Whaler was amongst them. Um, to, to make a long story short, um, we recognized that the word capitalism had become toxic and particularly for those, you know, call it 18 to 35 at least some within that. And that oftentimes the word was being conflated with uh, either misunderstood or not understood at all or conflated with other things. And we were blaming capitalism for things that were not capitalism's a fault or responsibility, not seeing the good it had created. Now, the danger of this, from our perspective, the danger of a, a generation rejecting the brand, the word capitalism, was that they would not, will not participate in fixing, evolving the product. And the product needs to evolve. And capitalism has always shown its ability to evolve if we, the people who drive the free market system, stand up and you know, support those who do good and don't support those who do bad and make conscious decisions. So the concern is that America could become Venezuela. You know, that's um, like, oh, that'll never happen. The it will never happen seems to happen all the freaking time these days. Um, but we're all in this together um, because capitalism's imperfections have never been more starkly illustrated or on more vivid display than over the past few years. But because of conflation, because of confusion, because of an absence of understanding, we tend to be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, and we believe, I believe, there is no better system. Despite its imperfections, there's no better system. I mean, what would we replace capitalism with? Um, and it's just a framework, right? How we activate it, how we express it, how we operate within it, it's typically driven by human behavior. That's not capitalism, it's human. Um, so concern that we could become Venezuela, concern that too many were going to abandon the system and not help to make it better, we set out to um, create a bit of a narrative intervention in the conversation that surrounds it, which, um, as you all pointed out, um, is largely a monologue that's either hate or like. Yeah, again, no disagreement. You can't disagree. It's bifurcated. And the fact of the matter is it, is it isn't. Um, it can get better. It must get better. It must evolve. Um, but unless we participate, you know, its evolution and it's bound to evolve will be driven by perhaps those we don't agree with. And it may become more so rather than a still more perfect version of its imperfect self, just like democracy, just like America, just like each of us. Um, and so we put out an RFP um, request for proposal uh, to a handful of agencies last fall. Um, and um, Whaler was amongst those who participated. And um, our ask was get people to kind of, you know, we took it to the emotional reaction. What do we want people to think? Oh, I didn't think about it that way. But, you know, 
big challenge. How do you how do you create a narrative intervention around capitalism while dealing with confirmation bias when the word is so toxic? Um, and um, this is not a Forbes branded campaign. We're like the ad council here. We're just catalyzing the conversation. Um, some extraordinary work we think from uh, Goodby Silverstein and partners launches on Forbes. Uh, I think next week. Um, and um, maybe even some work from you all that we're super excited about. It's been an interesting uh, process and the uh, challenges and the feedback. And you know, we, we live in this era of cancel culture within, without. It was risky. And I, and I commend you for, for taking this on because there's a long-term play, which we're not really in the business of anymore. We're all in short-term gains. That's, that's a big challenge. But you, you went for the, the long-term to really push some boundaries, be provocative. And that's been really amazing to see a little provocation. I love a provocation. I don't think we see enough of that. Going back to your question about, you know, um, creativity and creative, we knew that the idea had to be provocative. It had to push boundaries just to capture people's attention. We're no longer as, as humans, uh, at least in, in the developed countries, you know, uh, first world countries, we're no longer deciding what it is we're going to pay attention to. We now default to ignoring, and it's what are we going to not ignore? So if you don't create some dissonance, if you don't create have uh, um, deploy something provocative, you're likely going to just be ignored and, and just be in the wallpaper of you know scrolling on our phones. Well, it kind of goes back to your primitive brain, right? This is a through line that I did not anticipate, but it's true. And your primitive brain is really what we're all trying to engage and try to, to, to capture because it's a feeling. I'm just looking on my phone now for something I saw. I took a screenshot of it. I hope I can find it. Otherwise, I'm going to attempt to remember it. It's a Daniel Kahneman, you know, who wrote Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow quote that I saw last week. Thinking is to humans as swimming is to cats. They can do it, but they prefer not to. Is that as a parent, an employer, or as a marketer, you just said that? As all of the above, well, you know, again, I'm quoting. We are assaulted literally and metaphorically by things asking for, begging for, clamoring for our attention. We cannot process them all, which is why subconscious is so important in marketing. If we don't have to, and we make something like 30,000 decisions each of us a day, most of them, almost entirely, all of them, subconsciously. Should I go right? Should I go left? Should I wear this? Should I wear that? We can't think through everything. We would rather not think. Um, and at least actively. And, and it's a, going back to empathy. We have to understand that context, that mindset, because I don't care what you're selling, what you're marketing, that's the context and mindset you're marketing to. It's so true. And I think where we're seeing in terms of just like, I'll go from the lofty, strategic, esoteric conversation, which I love, to a little bit more of a, uh, a nuts and bolts. Part of what we're seeing with, with younger people and how they're consuming content is they prefer just to scroll because you don't even have to make a choice. You just sit there. And yes, it does. And I'm a huge fan of this part of it. When you're watching something on TikTok, you're connected to a community as opposed to just watching a show. Although we could argue that there are communities around fandoms and all those things. But the, the path of least resistance sometimes is what we're dealing with. And as marketers, it's pretty challenging to recognize that, that there are behavior changes that we have to adapt to in this you know, mine this this gauntlet of change and fear and obstacles. It's it's pretty scary out there. 
it's it's terrifying for all of us. And and I, I think to a point you just made, and back to capitalism and and the challenge that we face is it's much easier. It's not easy, but it's much easier to create a perception than change perception. And we now have to change a perception that surrounds capitalism, whether it's right or wrong in whole or part, um, uh, less the consequences that we you know think are are real. You've heard me say it. CMO marketers have the single hardest job in business today, full stop, bar none. And I include the CEO in that. And I don't think the CEO's job is easy. Yeah, no, it's and I if you think about it, you think, OK, would you tell your kids to go into this business? That's that's what I like to ask. But would you tell you've got kids? Would you tell them to go into this business? I don't say this flippantly. I don't tell my kids much. I try and give them options and information. Um, but if I were to answer your question, no. Elements of this business, certainly elements of capitalism, um, but uh, um, you know, traditional marketing—it's—it's—it's it's, it's not for the—it's uh, not for the weak stomach. That—that that is for sure. Okay, so let's let's flip, and then I'll let you go back to your your regular life. What's something that you're seeing out there that you're excited about that actually makes you feel either in business or in the world and you know, is that you're optimistic about these? Oh my God, I can't believe that that happened. Or that's such a great idea. Like I'll tell you something that I, I saw because it was recent. It's called Talk to Me. It's an A24, you know, movie that they bought at Sundance. And these guys are, they were YouTubers. They are YouTubers and they honed their craft for years and years and years. They're Australian. And they they self-funded this film. It was a Sundance darling. And it's, it's just get, it's just got launched or it's just out in theaters. And it's, doing really well it's in the horror genre but what was interesting and i thought it was so great what was interesting about it is that it's not about their audience of youtube fans following following them to the screen it was that youtube was their creative playground it was their place where they learned almost like where people used to do commercials and then become go into tv or they did writing like andy warhol wrote advertising and then you know all those things that was their 10,000 hours and i and i love that that there's starting to be this uh work that you're starting to see with people that come from non-traditional places so that that to me was optimistic so i but i asked you the question well first just you know a a24 like what an extraordinary job they're doing building a even if not by design building a brand where few have succeeded, which is saying content creation, but it also would be remiss um, not to pour one out and, and, you know, reflect real sadness for Angus Cloud, you know, who was, who was part of A24's Euphoria. Um, I, I have a slightly, I don't know if it's different or generic, but I, I will tell you that um, nothing makes me more optimistic than the altruistic, inherently implicitly altruistic or we-minded um, uh, generation that my kids are a part of. Um, I'm horrified by the world that they're being left and inheriting, but um, they are smarter than, more insightful than, um, more caring and empathetic than any generation in the history of generations. Um, and and um, in saying that, I think it's also important to recognize um, the generation that has raised them, because they're not the first generation to 
you know, reject the norms, labels, values that came before them, but they're the first being given the permission to. And my goodness, what they're doing with that permission is is beautiful and amazing. Um, and it's why I'm, you know, hopeful uh, about our world. And it's why I'm hopeful about small initiatives. And, and you know, in terms of creators, um, they're bringing those values, those ideas, that expression, those uh, stories, fictional and non to life. And, you know, I'll tell you what, if you haven't talked to a creator about their analytics and creative process, you should do that tomorrow, if not later today, because um, it is deep. It is thoughtful. It is um, oftentimes the it's the epitome of art and science. And it's it's extraordinary. And that, too, is, is pretty exciting. They're asymmetric thinkers at a level that we can't even fathom because of how they're they've been raised and the amount of information to your point that they, that they process. So you I view you as a person who is has a lot of influence on the thoughts, opinions and behaviors of other people. So here's your final question. If you could inspire a movement that would bring the most amount of good to the greatest number of people, what what would that be cuz you never know what your what your idea can trigger, Seth. The short answer is I don't know, and I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat the answer, Jamie. I think it's less the specific movement I would create than um, some of the ID behaviors and considerations I might encourage, which is, you know, don't reject the status quo because it's the status quo, but don't uh, uh, adhere to it out of fear or habit or tradition. Um, embrace change. Recognize that uncertainty, which surrounds us, can be our friends can be, you know, creativity's greatest provocation, greatest source of inspiration. That said, uh, to bring it full circle, um, I I am literally vested in um, the evolution of capitalism to one that is more representative, one that is more inclusive, one that lifts still more people out of um, poverty, out of circumstance, that drives more innovation uh, that makes the world we live in collectively and individually better. So um, I suppose that would be the movement. If anybody can do it, you can, because you are you are the, uh, the the bravest marketer that I really know. And I I love that you are willing to get into the ring and tame the lion um, and fight the fight and jump through fire and do all those things in service of a of a great idea. Well, that's, that's very nice of you to say. I, I know many braver marketers, but I'll I'll take it. So, my friend, the CMO listener, I'm going to, I will change. I will start calling you that. Uh, thank you for your time. Really, just always great to see you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for having me. It was, you know, you know I adore you. Thanks, Seth. Everything is Better with Creators is honored to be a part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. And we are grateful for your support. If you enjoyed the show, hit that subscribe button. And if you have a moment, we'd appreciate a rating and review. To keep up with all things Whaler and the latest in the creator economy, visit us at whaler.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This is Ashley Rudder signing off for now. We'll catch you next time with another episode of Everything is Better with Creators, powered by Whaler. Thanks for tuning in. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? 
Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.